0: Josh, welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Keep looking at the camera kit. Are we ready? Yes. Three, two, one. Action.
1: Excited to have you join us for the continuation of Citizens in a Racially Divided World. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Lauren, this is my husband Mark and our two boys Liam and Josh. Hello. Hello. We are worship leaders at Constantinburg and you may have seen us leading worship online a couple of weeks back.
0: Great, some news from a personal uh, side. Uh, life is slowly going back to normal Um, The boys have been attending school in the mornings, which has been fantastic. Lauren has been working extra hard at her job as a teacher at SACS. It's been very demanding um, during this period. Uh, Myself, business is going strong and I'm finding a lot more time to uh, create music and uh, learn some skills that I hadn't learned before. So quite excited to release some tracks uh, soon. We have some very special birthdays in our community over the last two weeks. Isabel Davies, Jack Broom,
1: Taylor Gibbs.
0: Happy birthday! Happy birthday!
1: Happy birthday! Also, very happy birthday to Rachel Bennett, to Nyari Marefu, Gareth Marilia. Very happy birthday, Debbie Kirsten, Saskia Schroeder. Jackie Clark, Glenis Tilbury, and Nick Wirter. It's also Cassandra Lehman's 40th tomorrow. What a wonderful celebration moment. We hope you have a fantastic day. Happy, happy birthday! Happy, happy birthday.
0: birthday! Great, let's catch up now a little bit about what's been happening in the life of Seaburg. Great, so Te Mugatle was dedicated uh, this last week, Andrew and Melanie's boy. If you would like to watch that video and celebrate with family and friends around the world, you can find it in the link uh, in the description of this video.
1: And then last month our Justice Ministry launched the 1 to 1 to 1 campaign to highlight one way we can learn something, one way we can seek God, and one way that we can act. This month we're going to be breaking up those areas and sharing one each week, starting with seeking God. In times of injustice, it's important for us to not only um, seek God for peace, but also for change. So to apply that this month, we're encouraging you to do a prayer walk around your neighborhood. We're going to be providing some prayer prompts in the video description. And we suggest that as you walk, you ask God to draw your attention to ways in which you can pray into the lives of your friends and neighbors around you.
0: Sounds awesome. This week, we're not gonna be Zooming for coffee after the meeting. Rather, tune into the Constantiaberg Facebook page where the elders are going live. And we're gonna be getting stuck into um, some of the content that Don covers today and covered last week, um, dealing with how we are to be citizens in a world which is racially divided. So stay tuned till after the meeting and uh, uh, connect on that video.
1: That's it. We're going to be handing over to Kulu now, who's going to be leading the meeting. Enjoy, Enjoy
2: the meeting, everyone. Hi, welcome to Constantinople Common Ground. My name is Nkulu. I'm part of the Eldership team at uh, Constantinople Common Ground, and it's lovely for you to join us this morning. Uh, I hope you have a, a special time with us. Um, but before we get cracking, I'd just like to um, say a prayer and, uh, and lead us into a time of, of worship. So Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful that uh, we can meet in this fashion. Lord, we just sit under you, we come together in a time of worship, we celebrate you, your sovereignty, and uh, Father God, I just pray that as we worship together, mighty King, that you'll do something in our hearts as a collective and as individuals, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And um, before we go into a time of worship, um, I'm just going to say the format, we'll have this time, and uh, we'll have an opportunity to um, hear the message and hear the word uh, through uh, Don Miller, and, uh, and then we'll close out in terms of a few announcements uh, post that. But uh, let's enjoy our time of worship. this awesome time of worship that we had. Heavenly Father, again, I just pray that you do some, something in our hearts um, as collective, as, as individuals. And Heavenly Father, I just hope that uh, our time together will just be a sweet and fragrant offering to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. As I mentioned earlier, my name is Nkulu, and I just count it a privilege to be a part of the eldership team here at Constantinople Common Ground. And if you're a guest, it's great to have you join us and I uh, hope you have a, an awesome time with us. For those with the kids who are parents, um, this is your moment now to break away and, and get your children set up in their respective um, groupings. So um, you're welcome to now take this time to, to break away. I hope you've managed to settle your kids, and uh, so thanks for making your way back into our time together. Um, Before we go into our main portion of our service today, um, I'm just going to encourage us to go into a time of giving. Here's an opportunity for us to give our first fruits. Um, It's an act of worship uh, and just honouring God with our finances. It just helps uh, uh, sow into the kingdom and to what he's doing here on earth and equipping the local church in terms of our giving. So a wonderful opportunity for for you to do so. And you'll see the details of our giving uh, at the bottom of the screen, or alternatively, you can go to the Common Ground website and you'll get all the relevant uh, banking details there. So thank you again uh, for honouring God and worshipping Him uh, with your giving. Glad you could join us again for our Citizen Series. Um, This is an opportunity for us just to get stuck into the Word now. But before we do that, Um, We'd like to flight the uh, Diversity Declaration video uh, prepared by Common Grant and enjoy the video.
1: We believe all ethnicities were created by God and declared good. Our ethnic heritage has no bearing on our standing before God. We are all
0: equal in dignity and worth in His eyes. In Christ,
1: we are given a new identity and welcomed as the children of God. Meaning that all other believers are brothers and sisters.
3: And that God calls all his followers to be united, especially in the midst of ethnic diversity.
4: Undermining God's God shalom through prejudicial actions and attitudes is therefore sin. But through his life,
0: death and resurrection, Jesus offers forgiveness, healing and wholeness to us all.
1: The Gospel is there for our motivation, our method, and our means for reconciliation. And with Jesus as our perfect model, we live this out in a Christ-like manner.
0: I am a citizen.
2: I am a citizen. I am a citizen. I am a citizen. I am a citizen.
1: I am a citizen. I am a citizen. I am a citizen.
3: I am a citizen. I am a citizen.
2: We are all citizens of heaven. Great, I hope you enjoyed that video. It's now time to go into our main message for this morning, and that will be again led by Don. And it's a second installment of um, the series in terms of citizens that he's covering. And I hope you enjoy this particular message. Um, Last week's message resonated powerfully with myself, there's a certain things I've learned and I'm dealing with myself as, as I'm journeying on this particular leg of uh, this series. But uh, going into today's message, I hope you uh, open your hearts and open your minds and just receive what God is saying to you personally. And so enjoy the message and our time together and I'll catch up with you uh, after the message.
4: Hello everyone. Fantastic to be here with you. I hope you enjoyed that brief uh, video by our media team it's Common Ground's Diversity Declaration, and I always find it so powerful. I don't need to tell you that it's been one of the coldest weeks I can remember in Cape Town. I mean, Tuesday was absolutely freezing. Uh, and as cold as it is, though, it couldn't stop me wearing my Hawaiian shirt as we recorded uh, this message. The first Sundays of every month in Constantinople are Hawaiian Sundays, so I'm keeping the tradition alive. It's worth, worth the goosebumps and the chills. Well, today is a continuation of last week. We're two out of two in a little mini-series we've put together as part of the Greater Citizen Series. And the topic for the last two weeks has been living as capital C citizens, that's citizens of heaven, in a racially divided world. And by the way, after today's message, you can join us on our Facebook page. The Eldership team's going to uh, go live. We're going to have a discussion about the The topic over the last two weeks, share a little more personally and vulnerably, take some questions from you, and hopefully have a great time together. So please feel free to join us on our Facebook page. I also realize some of you may have missed last week. Uh, Maybe you clicked on our YouTube page and inadvertently heard Ryan preaching. Well, I want to encourage you to to make sure you go to our uh, Constantiaberg Facebook page and listen to my message from last week. It's quite different to Ryan's message in some ways. I'll give you a brief summary because I want you to be caught up, but just remember this is not a substitute for actually watching the message. Probably I want to be a little stronger if you're part of Constantinople. I want to say to you, this is your church, I'm asking you to take some time out this week and go listen to that message. It's that important for us. So last week we answered the question, what has the Bible got to say to our racially divided world? and our key text was James chapter 2, we discovered that racism is sin. In its essence, racism is the sin of showing partiality. Racism or racial partiality is assigning value and worth to people based on the color of their skin in opposition to the value and worth that God himself has given to people by virtue of the fact that they created in his image. And in South Africa, racial partiality has been particularly devastating and it continues to be. And that's because this racial partiality, this racism found expression in such devastating ways. It was enforced through laws, through structures, economics. It was entrenched in our hearts and minds. And although many of the laws have been removed and dismantled and broken down, the racial identity narrative that was constructed to justify this destructive Uh, and dehumanizing sin still lives on in so many of us, and in so many of the structures and realities of our rainbow nation. James makes it clear in James chapter 2 that racism is incompatible with our faith in Christ. We cannot embrace Christ and embrace the gospel while continuing to harbor racial partiality, either in our lives or in the world. And so we looked at three ways That racism or racial partiality puts us at odds with God, puts us at odds with God's justice, with God's ways, and with the family that God is building in the world. That's the summary. As I said, it's not a substitute, so please go check out that other video. Today I'm going to be following up and I'm going to be answering the question, how does the Bible empower us to live as capital C citizens in a racially divided world? I mean, this is an absolutely critical question for us to answer because we're not going to see the reconciliation that God uh, desires and plans for us until we're ready to do the work of addressing, of challenging, of repenting. That's having a change of heart, having a change of, of mind and acting according to that change. We've got to address, we've got to challenge the racial partiality that we discover in ourselves, that we see in the world around us. Let me break away for a second and i i want to just recognize that much of the conversation we've had over the last two weeks has been quite individual it's been about our personal lives and i think that's a good place for us to be as a local church you know one of the dangers we face in this conversation is that we get so uh, caught up in seeking change and reconciliation out there in our city and our nation that we fail uh, to ask ourselves the question Is the reality that we're hoping for in our nation reflected in my own life? Am I reflected, my reflection of the change and transformation I long to see in South Africa? Is our longing for justice reflected in our budgets? Is it reflected in the way we treat and pay our staff? In the time we allocate to serve others or even who sits around our dining room table? Maybe as we reflect on our own lives, we need to to be asking the question, am I carrying with me some racial partiality in these or other areas of my life? Or maybe an even better and more accurate question to ask is, am I actively showing favoritism or partial towards all people in these areas? Now, I understand that in South Africa and around the world, we can't stay here forever. We can't stay in this place, this Christ follows. We're going to need to get involved and be part of addressing systemic injustice, seeing our municipalities, our cities, our nation challenged and transformed on a much wider scale. I think it's so important to acknowledge that. It's important to say that that's important. But for today, what I'm going to be speaking about is is kind of a burden that I've been carrying in my heart. It's kind of a prayer that I've been praying for us as a local church, and it's, it's, it's broadly along these lines. I'm not trying to change things. I'm just desperately desiring to be changed. I'm not trying to change things. I'm desperate to be changed and transformed. I'm praying Psalm 139. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Don't get me wrong, change is not bad. I certainly don't want to maintain the status quo. In fact, change and transformation is imperative for us as Christ followers. But for where we are as a local church in this journey, we believe we're in the right space to be speaking to us about the kind of people we're becoming as God matures us to be more like his son, Jesus. Let me pray for us and I'm really going to get going. So Father God, we open our hearts to you. We open our minds to you. God, we do want to be transformed. We do want to be more like your son, Jesus. We do want to live our one and only lives for your glory. And so we thank you for your spirit that leads us into truth, that illuminates your word, And God, I pray that as we unpack your word, as we get into this conversation, God, that you would have your way in us and through us, so that as a people we will bring glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The reason I wanted to do this message over two weeks is varied, but particularly this message flows out of a burden I've been carrying for us as a church, particularly as a a shepherd, as a pastor. And here's my concern there are so many solutions and approaches to to taking on racism and racial oppression that are being offered in our world that I'm afraid will hinder us more than they're going to help us. They're going to hinder us more than helping us to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You know, when I was chatting to Colin Davids about this, he had the imagery of 3D glasses. You know, when you go to a 3D movie, you need to take off all your other lenses and put on these 3D glasses otherwise you don't quite experience what you were hoping for. Well there are so many lenses being offered to us at the moment and I want to help us navigate this season of our lives. This is why I believe it's radically important for us to answer the question we're asking today, how does the Bible empower us to live as citizens of heaven in a racially divided world? Now, you may not be aware of this, but there are many visions of justice that are playing out and competing for attention in our lives. I've got a diagram that I took from an article uh, that Tim Keller uh, uses. And you can see in this diagram that, that some believe justice is primarily about freedom, others' fairness or happiness, Probably the vision for justice that is gaining the most traction in our world today is that postmodern idea of justice as being all about power. That's the critical race theory for the purposes of this message. Now, I don't have the time and probably not the knowledge to unpack all of these views of justice, but I do want to point you to Tim Keller's article. In the description to this video, you're going to get a link, uh, link to that article. I really encourage you to read, to go a little deeper and to understand a little more. But all of these visions and approaches carry with them a foundation and a worldview that is not biblical. And so we need to be discerning as we engage in seeking justice. Now, I'm not saying that they're not helpful. I'm not saying they don't contain some truth. In actual fact, I recently went to a webinar with Andrew Wilson, a fantastic theologian coming out of the UK, and he introduced us to this phrase where he kind of says, yes, no, but yes. And uh, what I love about it is that it, it undoes some of the polarization that we're experiencing in our world by either needing to be totally for something or totally against something. Where in actual fact, as we engage in, in, racial, in racial partiality and, uh, and unpacking it and, and undoing it, we need to be willing to say, yes, I recognize there's some truth in this approach but no, 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 I'm discerning that there's there's an aspect of this that I don't feel like aligns with my biblical convictions. And then to say, but yes, we need to give ourselves uh, and take the wisdom that we can from this approach. It encourages this humility and this biblical thoughtfulness from us as we engage in seeking justice. And the fact that these approaches to justice have Different foundations is why we've spent the last four weeks, including today, explaining that justice in a biblical sense is about God's character. It's about God's nature. It's about his creative intent and design for the world. And that's why I believe these philosophies will ultimately fail us. They'll fail to bring about the lasting and biblical justice that we long for as Christ followers living in a racially divided world. The trouble for us as Christ followers is that there's aspects of these competing philosophies and visions that have found their way into our thinking and our approach to, to ending and, and taking on racial partiality or racism. And I think it's hurting us. I need to pause for a second. As a, as a leader in a church in Constantinople, I need to take some responsibility here. I think our church has has failed to offer a compelling vision for justice and transformation. And so believers have have had to look elsewhere for answers and to adopt other approaches. And for that, I am sorry. You you may be feeling a little disillusioned with with a lack of clarity, with a lack of of passion around injustice and, and racism and racial prejudice. You may have experienced a kind of stop-start reality where you kind of feel like the conversation starts for a season and then it disappears and then it starts and it disappears and that's left you just not feeling great. You may mistrust the Bible. You may mistrust the church as they've been used as, as agents to perpetuate this partiality at times. And I, I completely understand that. And as I said last week, I'm I'm still very much a student in many of these complex and nuanced realities and arguments, and I'm needing to simplify them for the sake of this message. So as we go on, I want you to hear that humility from me to say I'm glad we're we're putting our foot down. I'm glad we're we're bringing more clarity, but I also need your grace and your understanding because this is a journey for all of us. So the approaches. Uh, that the world offers us, you know, that justice is about freedom or fairness. They don't hold the answers we're looking for. And in fact, as I look around me in the world, what I'm recognizing, maybe you do too, is that there's this polarization happening in the world. There's this deepening divisions. There's greater disunity, it seems, around me than ever before. I think of something like the Black Lives Matter on, on Facebook, on social media, and the farm murders in South Africa. And how from time to time you see these two uh, realities played off against each other in a way that's so unhelpful, in a way that's polarizing, in a way that pushes people either into one camp or the other where we need to choose. I mean, this is the kind of atmosphere that we're living in at the moment that, that I don't think is going to help us and give us the answers that we're looking for. I think there's a multiplying of guilt and shame within, the, within you know, people, within the family of God. But there's also increasing anger and resentment in others. And I don't see any real solutions coming to light. It's creating an atmosphere that in my mind is hindering this conversation when in fact this conversation should actually be ramping up and being encouraged. Some people are so nervous to do or say anything, you know, in case they do something wrong. There's the fear of being shamed or being called out in in the most non-redemptive ways. So many people might be feeling defensive. And, and when we get defensive, we, we kind of get pushed back into our existing thoughts and worldview. You know, others may feel so justified in, in their thoughts and in their actions that they're not actually taking the time to, to reflect on whether or not they're, they're living in a way that Christ would encourage me, us. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of us are just being lazy. Some of us are leaning on our privilege we're exercising our privilege, but by just ignoring racial partiality and not needing to engage in it. Well, well, that can't be us. That can't be us as christ My my feeling in in, in the current state of this conversation is that it can be so incoherent. There's times when I agree with what's going on, there's times when I don't, there's times where I get confused and I, I don't know what to think. I mean, there's been many times in this journey for me that I find myself actually feeling a little hopeless, feeling overwhelmed, afraid, guilty, a little lost, confused, and, and to be honest, just plain weary, with no real sense of, of seeing God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, with no real sense of advance or sense of, of true hope. Well, I, I want to tell you that I am so grateful for the grace of God at work in me that God continues to pursue, that God continues to reveal, that God continues uh, His commitment to see us become more like Jesus. I'm so grateful for the people that God has brought in my, in my life to see a much better way. Men like Nkulu and Colin, who for me have been living examples of what it looks like to walk a better road with Jesus. Men that, ha- that have fought and that are fighting, to, to stay mature, to stay grounded in the gospel as they work through and unpack the realities of racial partiality. I'm so grateful for these lives that they're sharing their life with me, that I'm able to share in theirs and continue to grow. They're like signposts that point me to Jesus and give me great hope. See, I believe there's a better way for us to live as capital C citizens in a racially divided world. So I want to open the Bible. We're going to go to Galatians chapter 2 to discover some ways that the Bible uh, speaks to us about living differently in this world. It's not everything the Bible says. It's just uh, a little bit. We're going to anchor in this text, but I'm going to go to another one as well. And I'm going to pull out three truths that I believe will help us uh, as we confront racial partiality and racism in our world. You know, for God's glory, for each other, and for our children, for future generations. This is a fight that we must fight in our generation. Okay, let's turn to Galatians 2. Follow on your Bible, follow on the screen. Verse 11, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by the hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Now, this is a very fascinating piece of scripture. You've got two real heavyweights of the early church in an interesting standoff. You've got Peter and Paul, who's the author of this letter. And Peter finds himself falling into the sin of partiality. He starts to separate himself from others during me- me- mealtimes based on their ethnicity he was a Jew and they were not. And what's worse about this whole scenario is that other Christ followers are being influenced by Peter to do the same. Even Barnabas. Again, this is another big name for us uh, in the early church. Barnabas the encourager. I want to stop for a moment and just quickly draw out two observations for us. Firstly, I want to encourage us to have a fresh humility as we realize that that we're all susceptible to the sin of partiality. Even some of these big hitters, Peter, Barnabas. And so maybe we need to, to carry an awareness, to carry humility that says, maybe God wants to do something in me. God, would you search me? God, would you? And then secondly, a little observation is that we're all influencers and we're all influenced. We need to adopt this humility and this openness to the dangers of racial partiality to the dangers of being influenced and influencing others. Okay. Let's see where the story goes. Verse 14. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, "You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs?" This is God's word. May it in comfort, encourage and transform us. There's There's a lot we can learn from this text uh, about what happens in our lives when when we realize that we do carry racial partiality, when we discover it in ourselves potentially, when we start to acknowledge that it's there. And the first truth I want to highlight as citizens living in a racially divided world is that one, we've got to keep coming back to the gospel. Keep coming back to the gospel. So Paul doesn't simply say to, to Peter, repent you bigots. He doesn't unfriend him. He doesn't disown him. He doesn't fire him on the spot. He doesn't replace him, uh, call for us to remove all his writings from the New Testament. He doesn't tear him down in order to shame him. He doesn't pour guilt and shame over him to the extent that there's almost no way back for him. You know, for Paul, uh, this conversation, it's not primarily about power, happiness, fairness, or freedom. No, no. He says, repent of this sin because you are not acting in line with the gospel. Peter, you are out of step with the gospel. Your thinking and therefore, therefore your behavior is incongruent with your proclamation of faith in Jesus. There's an incompatibility problem here. Peter, you're acting like the gospel isn't true. Have you forgotten that we've all been welcomed into God's kingdom and family through faith in Christ? Have you forgotten that Jesus died for all of us? Because in his creative design, we're all created uh, with equal dignity, value, and worth in God's sight. Have you forgotten that we're all equally in need of salvation? The ground at the foot of the cross is level. It's the gospel that starts to change the lenses of how we see and therefore act and relate to others. So Paul's pointing out Peter's crazy actions in light of the, the wonder of salvation and the gospel. Well, well, as he's doing that, he's, he's pointing out how sometimes our actions can be crazy in light of the truth of the gospel, in light of our own great salvation. We need to keep coming back to the gospel time and time again as our racial partiality is exposed, as we start to acknowledge it, knowing we can find help, grace, and hope. Another powerful thing about the gospel is that it both humbles us and lifts us up. Now this has wide application for us in this conversation around racial partiality. At the cross, we see that we're simultaneously sinful and broken, and yet infinitely loved and treasured by God. You know, Racial partiality, racism is so dehumanizing because it's taught some that they're superior and others that they're inferior. Well, we must allow the gospel to, to humble us when we harbor false beliefs of superiority. We must also allow the gospel to lift us up when we've bought into the lies that we're inferior. I mean, this is what apartheid and racism does. I think of examples of how this plays out. The idea of calling a a grown man who who may work in your garden a boy. A friend shared a story uh, of how they were on holiday some time ago and uh, it was them and and their friends, it was a white couple and a black couple and the one night the the black, uh, her, her friend was washing the dishes and as she was washing the dishes her friend said she looked at her and in a moment, she saw a domestic worker. And she said she was utterly shocked at this experience that she, that she had had. She was utterly shocked that, that she's been so impacted and so influenced that she would, would see someone in this way just because of the color of their skin. I've had many conversations uh, with a friend around over-functioning. Uh, as a colored man, over-functioning and always feeling the need to prove themselves in conversations, always feeling the need to impress, always feeling the need to, to show that there's value and worth and that, that they're worthwhile speaking to. And the struggle that they've had to, to begin to, to be, be lifted up as they find their worth and their truth in the gospel. These are, these are devastating realities that we're living in, that the gospel can help us transform. I want to throw in some irony here. I wasn't sure whether to put this in, but we do know that Jesus wasn't European, right? I mean, the irony of Christ followers who owe their salvation, who offer their praise and worship to a person who they would uh, essentially think is inferior to them because of the complexion of his skin. I mean, it's absurd. That's why uh, as white people, we had to create a white Jesus. No, no, no. The gospel story itself. The reality of Jesus and his life and his ethnicity confronts our racial partiality in profound ways. We need to apply the truth of the Gospels to our life as the antidote to to sinful racial partiality. Now, some of the most influential secular approaches and visions for justice that we're living in now, they would want us to believe that, that racism is all about systems and, and structures that need to be torn down, not about individuals. But I, I've got to be honest with you. I don't see how, how, how bringing uh, people down a, a, and bringing other people that were oppressed up actually gets us anywhere in the long term. No, 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 no. I think that that the message of the gospel that says, no, 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 we've got to uplift, we've got to be humbled, and we can find each other at the foot of the cross on equal ground where I believe a future that God has for us can be found. So we keep coming back to the gospel. Here's the second truth. It's make every effort to maintain unity. Make every effort to maintain unity. We're going to go to Ephesians 2 verse 14. I mean, this is a text speaking to, to Jewish and non-Jewish people, one of the great social divides of history, being brought together in Christ without partiality. This is the power of the gospel to reconcile, to redeem, to restore our divides and our broken relationship. You know, God, as we come to in salvation, He gives us peace, peace vertically, but He also creates peace for us horizontally. God brings about this one new man that's spoken about in this text. It, it represents uh, God's intention for creation, that before God all people are of equal value, worth, and dignity. Jesus has dealt a death blow to all the lesser categories and distinctions we make about ourselves and people. That's why in chapter 2 of Ephesians 4, two chapters later, we read this in chapter 4, verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Notice we don't create the unity. We keep or maintain the unity that Christ has already secured for us. Now, last week I spoke about the, of God's work of creating a family in this world. That in Christ we're brothers and sisters, we're family, and, and the call here is for us to do all we can to maintain this unity. I've been learning to speak Kosa recently, and uh, as we learned about the greetings, I, I, I had an amazing discovery that in Koza in you speak about uh, Molo Buti, Molo Sisi, Molo Mama, Molo Tata. And actually there's no language for like you or, or hello person or hello stranger. No, no, no. It's, it's hello brother, hello sister, hello father, hello mother. This familial language that's so rich, that is so reflective of God's kingdom. Maybe the brethren had it right back in the day when they would say, hey, brother Don and brother Nkulu and brother Derek and, and you know, sister Megan. Maybe we need to recover some of that language that reminds us of this great unity that we are to make every effort to keep. When we make every effort to maintain this unity, we're conforming to the will of God. When we harbor partiality, we're deforming the the will of God. Again, it's not a call to neutrality. It's not a call uh, to just stand by. It's a call to front footedness. It's a call to activity. It's a call to make every effort. So every time we participate in conversations uh, of, of racial partiality, every time we laugh at a joke or anecdote that's racially motivated, in some way we're deforming God's will. When we participate in shame or cancel culture, identity politics or any form of divisive rhetoric, we can unwittingly be perpetuating the very sin that Jesus died to undo. You know, secular approaches to justice often influence influence us to silence people, to turn the tables, to reverse the power, to vilify some while giving authority to others by virtue of their past. As I said, there's so much that we can learn from these approaches. We can listen, uh, learn to listen, learn to identify with, to understand, to lament alongside. But as Christ followers, living and confronting a racially divided world, we must make every effort to maintain and to keep the unity that Christ has won for us. Jesus has done the work. We can bring our pain to the cross where we see a Savior who has suffered and died. We can bring our longing for justice to the cross where we see that the price for justice has been paid. We can bring our guilt and shame to the cross where we find grace upon grace. Then we take all that we've received and we make every effort to maintain this unity. Okay, finally, the third uh, truth I want to pull out of this text is that we ought to receive and extend grace. We're back in verse 14. Living as citizens in a racially divided world is not going to be easy. When we recognize racial partiality in ourselves or in our world, we're going to need uh, to see it as God's kindness towards us. As God's grace flowing towards us, He's inviting us into a fuller life. He's inviting us into maturity. He's inviting us to a fuller experience of how He's always intended the world to be. So we need to watch out for being defensive. If we start to pick up this partiality in our lives, we need to watch out for anger or stubbornness or an unwillingness to grow. We mustn't give in to fear or despair. We also don't give in the, into the pressures to perform or, or virtue signal so that people think we're kind of further along the road than we really are. We're going to need to draw on the resources of heaven and the truth of the gospel often. God's grace comes in many different forms. It's, the acronym for grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. In other words, through faith in Christ, we gain freely, for us it's free, access to the resources of heaven. And God's grace towards us in Jesus, it empowers us to live differently, to think differently, and to love differently. And one, one of the things I love about this verse and this confrontation between Paul and, and Peter is that we, we need to love enough to speak the truth in love, And at the same time, we need to be humble enough to receive God's word and correction from our friends. Don't you see that? Paul loved Peter enough. Paul was committed to the gospel enough to confront him, to speak to him, to invite him, to to get back in step with the gospel. The gospel compels us to remain humble and open to hearing from others. We must be willing to love each other enough to speak the truth to each other and invite each other to align with the gospel. If I can be vulnerable for a moment, I mean, you know this, I'm, I'm on a journey. I don't have this all together by any stretch of the imagination. I will make mistakes. I've made mistakes. I may offend some of you. I might be doing that now, but, but hey, if not today, then tomorrow I'm going to need your grace. It's in these conversations and confronting our racially divided world that we're going to need to exercise both repentance, a willingness to change our heart, to change our mind, as well as extending forgiveness to others. And we're going to need to do it a lot. I'm so grateful uh, to the men and women who extend grace to us at Common Ground, Constantinburg, who are part of our church family when it comes to racial partiality. I think I'm, I'm discovering and, and freshly uh, seeing just how much grace it can take for people to be part of our community who are maybe a little different from the majority of us in terms of the skin, the color of their skin. I was chatting to someone last week and I, I had to admit that, that that speaking this message, speaking about racial partiality, it's an incredible difficult thing to ask people of color to continue to extend grace towards me and towards people like me in a country that maybe has been slow to transform. Colin and I, we've had many conversations and he tells me how he continually needs to receive grace from God in in order to continue to, to walk alongside me. He needs to take himself to the cross. And even though it's not always easy for him, You can see it in Colin's life. He receives the resources of heaven in abundance. I just love it when I hear Colin saying, I just have to love you. I have to. It's not because he doesn't like me. It's not because I'm hard to love. It's that he feels this compulsion that overwhelms any other feeling that he has, any other emotion that he has, any other opinion that he has, any other desire that he has. It overwhelms him to love me to lavish kindness on me, to walk gently and humbly alongside me and to help me to open my eyes to some things that I haven't seen until now. I've reflected somewhat on what I think is an appropriate response for me to someone like Colin who continually extends grace toward me and and is willing to journey uh, with me. Well, it motivates me to confront the racial partiality in me motivates me to do the hard work of reading, of learning, of listening, of moving from blindness where maybe I haven't seen or been aware of some realities to sight, where I'm able to understand, I'm able to have empathy to a certain degree. Colin would say that he hopes it motivates us to get out of our ivory towers where sometimes we like to think and work on our understanding. He, he hopes that it gets us to move out of our tall walls and move towards people, maybe cross over the railway line, maybe go to those places and those people who we don't normally hang out with, and to begin to build genuine, deep, and meaningful relationships. Okay, let me, let me wrap this up. Let me bring this message to a close. We've looked at three truths that the Bible gives us as we live as capital C citizens in a racially divided world. We've got to keep coming back to the gospel. We've got to make every effort to maintain the u- unity. We've got to receive and extend grace. So let me offer a few ways that we could respond to this message. I'd like to ask every common grounder, especially a common ground Constantinople Church family, to get with God and prayerfully, thoughtfully, and maybe along with some good friends who will speak truth to you, explore what it looks like for you to live as a capital C citizen in a racially divided world. You could join me in praying Psalm 139 or whatever it is that will speak to you. I encourage you to do the the work of moving from from maybe being a little blind to some of these realities to to asking God to give you full sights and insights to help you. We're going to make some extra resources available over the next couple of weeks and you'll get those in your inbox. I want to ask those of you who are actively involved in confronting and engaging uh, with racial partiality to be discerning and thoughtful about adopting a biblical vision for justice, about being being discerning, about saying, yes, we can adopt that truth. No, no, we can't go there. But but yes, let's do this thing together. You know, maybe our upcoming justice journey that's being advertised on our website, on our Facebook page, will serve you to engage more deeply in these topics. And let me speak as a pastor for a moment. If you've been on the receiving end of racial partiality or racism, the best way that I know how to help you is to point you to the Good Shepherd, to point you to Christ. He is a Savior who can fully identify with your pain. He was brutalized, mistreated, wrongly executed, all because He loves you. He wants to redeem and restore you. Perhaps with the current state of the world and the conversations that we're having, you as an individual are feeling stirred with feelings of maybe condemnation or guilt, fear. Maybe you're confused or uncertain if that's you, I want to invite you to move towards us. Uh, The pastor's details are are on the link uh, to this video in the description. I want to encourage you to to move towards us and to be open to conversation. As God works in our lives, as God stirs us, we don't want to leave any of these things uh, unspoken about and undealt with as we forge ahead into the future that God has for us. Thirdly, If you want to have some more conversation with us, the pastors, over this week's message and last week's message, we're going to make some time and space for that over the next couple of weeks. So you can send an email to Rosina. There's her email address. Uh, Let us know and uh, we'll we'll make space to include you in some of those conversations. And lastly, if you've experienced racial partiality, if you've experienced racism here at at Common Ground Constantinburg, I want to say that I'm sorry that we haven't, haven't been a good expression to Christ, of Christ's community to you. I'm sorry that you might feel like there's not a place for you in this church, that maybe you don't belong, that maybe you're not celebrated. I want you to know that there is space for you. I want to know that, that we want you to walk with us, journey with us. We need you. We need everyone that Christ is calling. To be a part of our community if you feel comfortable i want to invite you to move toward us Uh, my number's there give me a call let's chat we don't want to allow these things to go unspoken about well that's it for me thank you so much for joining us hope you've had a great time i'm going to hand over to Nkulu
2: we trust that you've been uh, uplifted in terms of that message i certainly have and uh, really hoping that God is doing some work in and through you. If you're new to the faith and you wanted to know a little bit more, we do have a, a booklet available to you. It's called Ignite, and you can find it on our webpage. And uh, it's a 31-day 31 31 day journey uh, into encounters with Christ. And it's an opportunity just for you to engage with the Bible and who Jesus is um, and for you just to explore even further and go deeper uh, into uh, the biblical claims of faith that, that uh, we aspire to. If you'd like to connect with us as elders, um, you, the contact numbers for myself, Don and Colin will be at the bottom of the page. Our phone number there. would love to connect with you if you want to reach out. There's also an opportunity for you to hang out with us as elders, post this meeting on our Facebook page. So please do go uh, to the Facebook page and look out for our details and would love to spend some time hanging out with you and engaging with you. And uh, yeah, so I hope you enjoy this uh, time together and trusting that God is doing some deep work into, into your life and uh, have a super week ahead and look forward to seeing you next week.